Welcome, listeners, to a special episode. Have you ever met a person that just always wants more? Someone who is given a great deal and just feels like that's not enough, or is given something for nothing and expects everything. Today's episode are tales straight from the Choosing Beggars Vault. I have had the pleasure of narrating tales by Dnote147, Look Alive Sunshine X, Raxeremis, and Dumbledwarf. I love all those names. I do have a couple of other contributors that want to remain anonymous, and I respect that, so here are their names and addresses. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank you all for sharing them. Before we jump in, I want to introduce two very special supporters that have stepped up in a big way for the podcast. I already had the amazing Matthew J. Bauer donating over $100 per month to the podcast. Astounding. And decided to reflect his level of support by creating a new tier just for him, giving him the opportunity to name it as the first person to be part of that tier. And then I get surprised by another amazing listener, Maya, who stepped up to the plate with her donation as well to the highest tier that I have at $100 per month. I am so damn blessed to have such support, and at that tier. So what on earth is this tier? Well, it's called the Old Knight Tea Titans, because it is one of the most expensive teas on the market due to its rarity. It requires a combination of unique Aquilaria leaves and a specific fungal infection on the agar wood leaves. They harvest this, purify it, and the tea bestows on the drinker potent health benefits as a result. The process is lengthy and specific, requiring dedication, and it is that dedication that these two listeners have brought to me. Truly fitting for the level of support both my titans bring me, I am forever grateful and will be working on specific rewards to show my appreciation. There is only one spot left in this tier, and if you have any questions, let me know via email at storiesfables.com ghostlytales at gmail.com To my very special Ode Night Tea Titans whose support will be forever remembered as shapers of this podcast. I am eternally grateful and thank you so much to Ode Night Tea Titan Matthew J. Bauer and Ode Night Tea Titan Maya. Just amazing. Speaking of other amazing supporters are my white tea warlords. I own cows, whose hooves are imbued with integrity, and Lee Bauer, whose mind cultivates the wisest of choices. Thank you, lovelies, for supporting the show. Today's nicknames highlight your level of integrity and sure-footed wisdom in stark contrast with those traits shown by the choosing beggars in today's tales. I hope you like them. And my awesome Elgrain forces, Chad Warren, Joss Heather, Lorraine Crisanto, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffelli, Michelangelo Yacone, and Robert Fisher. Thank you so much for your support, mates. Oof. Today is a wonderful day indeed. And now, you lovely listeners, let's listen to some stories that will have you wondering. How on earth do people like this operate in their daily lives? I waited until the very last day to reply to a lawsuit. So you need to help me now. As a third-year law school student, I work at a legal clinic that provides free legal services for clients who are unable to afford an attorney. As a zero-cost clinic, 
operating solely from the budget provided by our law school, we are very limited in what we can do and rely on students such as myself to help facilitate services. Notably, we can provide legal advice see if the issue isn't too complicated, help look at and fill documents that aren't too extensive, and or even schedule appointments with volunteer attorneys who provide consultation for free. There is only one supervising attorney at the clinic. In comes Miss Choosing Beggar, who has a very complicated legal issue. She tried to sue someone and her complaint was demurred, aka your complaint has no legal basis. A big part of why her lawsuit failed was because she failed to respond to the demurrer within the time limit. There is a way to possibly get around this by filing a motion to reconsider, but you have 10 days to get this motion to reconsider filed. Since I was busy with a client, one of the other law students, who was a less experienced second year student, was helping her out. Our supervising attorney was also busy. While I was helping the other client, I heard the other student struggling a little. He was waiting for our supervising attorney because he didn't know how to proceed. I saw the choosing beggar become visibly agitated, and I told our supervising attorney I could handle the work he was doing so he could switch the choosing beggar, because that choosing beggar seemed to be getting very angry. Apparently, this choosing beggar had come into the clinic to get help drafting her entire motion to reconsider in 30 minutes, so that she could go back to the courthouse to get it filed. Since today was the last day she could file the motion. We informed her that this kind of work requires a careful study of her case with all the legal issues surrounding it. We told her that half-assing a legal motion in half an hour that would definitely get rejected would subject us to serious malpractice. When asked about why she didn't have an attorney look at her case before this, she told us that she had rejected multiple attorneys because they wanted to charge her too much and that we needed to fill this out right now. When we told her the clinic closed in about 30 minutes, she said she would wait afterwards as long as it took to finish. Any attempts to tell her we couldn't do it fell on deaf ears. She then pulled out her phone to film us and began yelling in the elementary school library. We have the clinic as a free service for elementary school parents, but see anyone who comes in. She said that everyone in the clinic would be posted on YouTube and asked for the supervising attorney's supervisor. Hint, he's the supervisor. She said she was appalled at the terrible service and loudly declared she was a taxpayer and that this is our taxpayer's dollars at work. You know, the free legal clinic she didn't pay for that is completely funded by a privately owned law school which receives zero public funding. She eventually stormed out of the clinic, declaring she would be reporting everyone except for the Asian attorney, because I was the one who had noticed she was angry and motioned for our supervising attorney to help. To this day, our supervising attorney has not yet received the bar complaint we've been joking that he would get, and I wonder whether that motion was ever filed, or if she simply chose to go home and go back to being lazy. That time my coworker lost his faith in customers. I guess to start up, I should mention the business I'm in. 
We are a small business in Florida that maintains generators for large corporation buildings like airports or hospitals. After Hurricane Irma, there was a rule in place saying that nursing homes, medical care facilities have to have a working generator at all times. This opened an onslaught of the stingiest, rudest, and most bitter customers we've had so far. A lot of these facilities love to cut corners and save a couple of bucks in ways that may not necessarily be morally acceptable or quite legal, and don't like that they are now required to pay extra money to keep their clients alive and healthy. This is the story of one such guy whom I will call Dickface, or DF for short. Dickface had to get his facility's generator fixed after a failed inspection. I think he knew it was broken, he just didn't want to get it fixed until he was told to. And called us up. He got a hold of my supervisor, and since we are the only two people in our department, we tend to put calls on speaker. I was next to him for this part and heard everything. They figured out what generator he had, an outdated POS that just barely met state standards, but was about as old as I am. And my supervisor promised to send him the quote via email. He made it up based on our computer's prices and sent it out. Now, my supervisor likes to try to save the customer money where he can. And after checking our manufacturer's website, he figured he'd be able to buy it cheaper on eBay. Something to note. We buy our parts at cost. And even after our markup, we still sell these parts significantly cheaper than retail price. Sometimes we can get older parts cheaper on Amazon or eBay. But this is a fairly rare occurrence. He told me to call the customer to tell them that we'd be able to knock $300 with this price. Here's how the call went. I'll refer to myself as M. Hi, this is M from a general generator company. Can I speak to Dickface? Dickface? This is him. What do you need? Well, I just want to let you know that we're able to find this part for cheaper. Your original total was going to be 2100 but now I can send you a new invoice for 1800 Is your default email okay? Dickface. Yes, that is fine. Thank you so much. So I remake the invoice for 1800 send it to him, and wait for him to send it back signed so we can schedule the work. Except he doesn't. We don't hear back from him for a week. Then he gets transferred back to me. Me. Hi, this is M from a generic generator company. How can I help you? Dickface. Hi, M. This is Dickface. I received an $1,800 invoice from you, but your boss called and said it would be $700. I just need you to fix it so I can sign and send it to you. M. Oh, actually, that was me. After pulling up your account, I see that we were able to find you a cheaper part, but the total is going to be $1,800. Would you like me to resend the itemized invoice so you can see exactly what you're paying for? Dickface, flustered at this point. No! Supervisor was actually the one who called me. I just need you to honor what he said and change it for me. Now keep in mind, this call was on speaker and the supervisor is at the desk directly next to mine. I make eye contact with him and he shakes his head, obviously annoyed. M, you know what, sir? Let me transfer you to him. So I put him on hold for 10 seconds, then take him off since my supervisor can hear him fine on my phone anyway. 
Basically, this dude starts getting increasingly aggressive while he tells my supervisor that he was told it'd be $700 and he wouldn't pay a cent more. My supervisor explains how the rest of the part alone costs more than that and he also needs to pay for our technician to install the damn things. Dickface absolutely loses his shit about how he could pay the parts himself and look up a YouTube tutorial to install it. Yeah, right. And the supervisor tells him that under no circumstances will he be lowering the price further. So Dickface hangs up. The guy calls back a week later saying he'll pay the 1800 But surprise, surprise. The part on eBay is no longer there. Have fun paying full price, asshole. We were kind of hoping you would do it for free. I have a few stories like this, but this is one that still sticks with me. For context, I work professionally as a massage therapist. I am licensed and have been doing massage for five years now. I work at a small local day spa in my hometown and have a rather large following in regards to my clientele base. Every now and again, we'll have other businesses, small or big, that'll contact us and ask us to provide our services for their events or social gatherings. These events will usually require us to have at least two therapists including me, on site, and also to bring our own supplies, which we don't mind doing since they only expect us to do the basic chair massages for 10 minutes per person. Not too bad, especially for about two to three hours, and they do pay us afterward. One day I got a call from a local elementary school in another town, a little over half an hour away from mine. The woman on the phone explained how it would be a teacher appreciation week the following week, and they were wanting us to come down to provide 10 minute chair massages for all of the teachers. I told her we wouldn't mind doing that since we get calls from others to do similar things all the time. And what she was asking didn't sound too off from the norm for us. Then came the choosing a beggaring. Me. Okay, so we've got all the info we need. Now how much would you be willing to pay? Our normal rates for event services is usually around a dollar a minute, but we can alter the rate if need be, since there'll only be two of us. Choosing beggar. Oh, um, we didn't think we needed to pay. Yes, ma'am. We normally have a pay rate set up whenever we get called to participate at events like this. Like I said, it would be a dollar a minute, and since there'll be two of us there, and the event is two hours, that would come up to $240 total. But like I said, we can adjust the price if that's too much. Would $100 be better? Choosing beggar. Well, the thing is... We were kind of hoping you would do it for free, since it is Teacher Appreciation Week and all. I was fighting with myself to keep a straight face the whole time while I was still on the phone, especially after hearing the insane logic of this woman. She seriously wants us to make time out of our schedule away from the shop to drive 30 to 45 minutes to their location, do two hours worth of massages for their employees for free. I completely understand that this whole thing was for a good cause, and I totally agree with the premise. Especially with all the shit that's been happening with teachers not getting fair pay for their work. But here's the thing. In our line of work, or at least at our business, we are considered independent contractors, meaning we don't get paid until we get booked with an appointment, and only after that client pays do we get a cut of that pay. We don't get paid hourly like most employees do, we make commission. So if it's a slow day at the shop and no clients come in, no pay for us. It sucks, but that's how it is. 
if we were to come out to this school and give massages to the employees for no pay, we would be risking potential clients at our business who would actually pay us. Not to mention the fact that we're having to use our own money and gas to get to this event. I simply told her that we couldn't come down there for free. We had to get some sort of compensation, especially since they contacted us about participating in this event. I was as polite as I could be, not trying to sound mean or abrasive. She replied by saying, let me talk with my supervisor and see what she wants to do, before hanging up. About 10 minutes later, she calls back, choosing beggar again. Unfortunately, that's not going to work for us. We were really hoping you would do this for free. Thank you for your time. And that was the last that I heard from them. Choosing Beggar's Special Discount The Big Deal I am a manager at a chain pizza restaurant. It's a Friday during lunchtime, so there is another manager here with me, as it can get pretty busy. I am about to take a break when the phone rings. I tell him I'll answer it. Me. Thanks for calling. How can I help you? Choosing Beggar in a nice tone. Hey, just wondering what your specials are today. It's in between months, so we don't have many over the phone. Me. The only one I have over the phone right now is 20% off. Choosing beggar. <sighs> okay. What kind of pieces do you have? You have one with everything on it? I say yes and tell her those toppings. And then explain the rest of the menu. Choosing beggar. Okay, can I just get these six toppings on a large? Sure. Your total is going to be $20.69 after tax, and 20% off. Choosing beggar. $20 for a pizza. You're out of your mind. Me. I'm sorry, but a large starts at 13 and each topping is $1.50 each. There is also a delivery fee of $3. This is where the fun starts. Choosing beggar. Can I get a garlic dipping cup and some peppers for free? Me. No ma'am, they are only 50 cents each. That would bring your total up to $21.54. I have a couple of carryouts walk in and they start to hear my side of the conversation. Choosing beggar. And you can't do anything else to make that price go lower? Me. No ma'am, I already gave you 20% off. That's the best I can do over the phone. Choosing beggar. Can't you do the deal where all of the toppings are free? Me. One, we don't have a deal like that, and two, I'm not freeing anything out. Choosing beggar. But you can. Well, I'm not. Choosing beggar. Can I get the big deal and 20% off? Me. I'm sorry, but what's the big deal? Choosing beggar. The one where my toppings are free. At this point, I was getting annoyed, and my carryouts had been standing there for a couple of minutes, so I told her to hold, and told the other manager to get the phone. I got the carryout squared away and apologized. They said that it's no problem and were very nice. One even tipped me. While I'm helping them, however, I hear that the other manager is having the exact same conversation with her that I was having. Somehow he makes her happy, and gets her to place the order. He tells her delivery will be about 35 to 45 minutes. She calls back after 10 minutes asking where her pizza is and if it's going to be cold when it gets to her. He tells her that it's still in the oven and that it won't be cold. It didn't end up being 35 minutes as I had a driver walk in as it was coming out of the oven. 
He takes it and gets it to her in less than 20 minutes. Our delivery time is always 30 minutes or more. So this happening is a miracle. It was definitely not cold. She calls again and I answer. As soon as I saw the phone number, I should have gotten the other manager, but I didn't. She was yelling at me that we sent her a cold pizza. This is when I got the other manager. She tells him that she took one look at it, decided it was too cold, gave the pizza and the money to the driver. The manager, driver, and I voided the order and split the money. Driver 10, us 2, 5. We all agreed that we did not get paid enough to deal with her bullshit. She lost all her possessions. Any clothes will do. Oh, not that though. I volunteer in an op shop, secondhand store, run by a large charity. We have the good fortune of having an enormous space compared to other op shops, so we have a very broad selection of items and are very popular in our city. Most people who come in are great and very understanding, but then there are the choosing beggars. I actually have a few other choosing beggar tales from this shop which I'll share if people are interested. One day, a few weeks ago, a lady comes in who works for an organization which helps find housing for low-income families, victims of disasters. She explained to us that a mother and her child had had their house burned down, that the mother was still in the hospital. They had lost everything. And the mother just wanted something other than a medical gown to walk out of the hospital in. Preferably something comfortable and easy. No problem. I'd seen some comfy sweatpants and leggings in the right size earlier that day. We have more shirts than we know what to do with, and a pair of comfy slippers would surely be available somewhere too. My manager and I went around with this woman, helping her locate the clothing she needed, giving multiple suggestions just in case they were required. She turned down almost everything. A pair of comfortable long pants, too frumpy. This barely worn, ultra soft t-shirt from an unusually fancy brand. Mm, no. Okay, a nicer pair of pants, even comfier than the last. They're just not right. Keep in mind, we were going to be donating this stuff. The housing worker wasn't given any budget for this, which, fine, the clothes were worth maybe $3 to us altogether anyway. She kept humming and whoring about this and that, eventually leaving with only a pair of slippers we managed to track down, telling us she would check back in with the woman and get back to us. Call me crazy, but if I had just had my house burned down with all my worldly possessions inside it, I'd want literally anything people were willing to give. And who knows? Chances are the woman herself wasn't a choosing beggar, but the lady from the housing organization just had me flabbergasted. Jeez, just take the poor woman some clothing and stop wasting everyone's time. Entitled people meet choosing beggars with a touch of malicious compliance and a twist. My best friend through high school and I both enlisted in the military. I went guard and he went army reserves. We talked in our senior year about a town a few hours away that had multiple gold mines and an amazing economy. We talked about renting a spot out there and going to work at the mines to save up some cash and get a good start. This was just idealism and we had no intent to actually follow through. A few years go by, 
I married my high school sweetheart, and he married some girl I don't really know how he met. I worked my way up through restaurants while in the guard, and my district manager offered me a raise, moving expenses, and a promotion within the year if I moved to the gold mining town to open a new restaurant. I jumped on the chance as the pay, 40k salary with a promotion, to 65k within the year, and 3k for moving was great at 20 years old. This is where the crazy starts. I told my friend, we will call him Jay for Jerkwad, that I was getting moved to that town and that my wife and I planned to buy a home there and settle down. He never really got his crap together by this point. His dad died while he was at basic training and he stayed with me for a good bit. My wife and I felt bad for him and said he could stay with me for a bit while my wife finished college and he could try to make a living there. He got excited thinking it would be his big chance and was so grateful for a time. We got to Elko and for the first four to five months, he, his wife and I stayed in a long-term hotel there while I waited for my wife to finish the semester and then to pick a home. Finish escrow and all. This drained my pocket alongside buying food for the three of us. But Jerkwad would contribute some from his two days a month of duty with the reserves, and that helped some. Needless to say, I blew through a lot of my salary taking care of them, and somehow they just couldn't find work. Well, I was hiring for a new restaurant and had to take on over 100 people, so I offered them both a job. They started eagerly, but very quickly realized that being a waiter is more than just writing orders and goofing off. They immediately became a huge issue and would often boast that they were my friends and that they were the best at the job and deserved whatever things they thought themselves entitled to. Their first write-up came within maybe two weeks at most. They seemed incapable of doing the most basic things and weren't putting the thought or time into figuring out their job despite me trying to train them and coach them. They made me look terrible. I ended up having to fire them a month and a half or so in because they refused to do side work and somehow showed that this restaurant was too hard for them to handle working for. I left that job to work at one of the gold mines. My work history and ethic have secured me a highly paid and amazing position. At gold mines like this, you get hired as a position, but unless you are an engineer or management, you start off just doing menial labor. Think non-stop shoveling tons of ore for a 12-hour shift. Made the military seem like frickin' cake. They do this to prove your work ethic. I made it onto a crew in three days. Only one person made it before me. We had our own home by now and moved in maybe two months earlier. Jerkwad was still with us, but had still never found another job. My wife was now with us as well, and he absolutely made her life hell. She and I are Mormon, and don't want to drink or go to the same movies they're into, so they get the idea in their head that my wife is public enemy number one. They start talking crap to her and treating her terribly while I'm at the mines working. Rotating shifts, 45-hour bus round trip, and 12-hour shifts. To the point she stopped leaving the room, unless it was to make dinner for when I got home. She didn't talk to me about it until it was getting bad. Here is where Jerkwad and my wife get into a war. Jerkwad doesn't like where we keep our dishes. 
and he then rearranged the cups. My wife didn't talk to them anymore, so she put them back and left the note asking not to move our cups. Jerkwad then moves every other dish and waits. My wife told me about the things they were doing, and by this point, I walk into the kitchen after a long shift, where I've pulled two hours overtime on top of my shift and the commute, so I'm like 21 hours into a hellish day, and I see Jerkwad's malicious compliance, and just... Nope. He's been living with us rent-free and eating our food, playing Xbox all day on our TV, and taking up the entire living room. I call him in, and he sees me in the kitchen and gets this stupid self-satisfied grin. Cue a huge fight. I ask why the hell he moved everything in my home to spite my wife, and why the hell he couldn't be grateful for the nearly a year of free housing. I rent this house for $1,500 a month now. The jobs I got them and the ones I threw away. And why they didn't go to any of the job fairs. That's how I got my mind job. It should be said by this point, I was also in a major car wreck. And despite my injuries qualifying me as disabled, I pushed my body to the limits to keep my job and stay in the National Guard. He starts screaming. You have no idea what she's like when you're not here, I reply. True, but sadly, I know exactly what you're like when I'm not here. This is her house, you're just a guest. He then picks up the footrest thing for my nice recliner and chucks it across the room in a tantrum. I tell him it's done. He needs to get the fuck out now. I won't tolerate him breaking my crap or getting violent. He screams that he'll leave, but... You better help me get my stuff out tonight, or I'm not leaving. Smugly. I tell him that no, I'm injured and don't owe you a damn thing. Jerkwad yells back. You're so bitch-made, acting like you're all hurt and crap. Freaking pussy. I shoot back. At least I can provide for my family. Your pregnant wife's going to be living in a box if you're the provider. But then again, I don't know if you can hold that down either. He started getting up in my face and I told him he could stop threatening me and leave or I'd grab my gun and ensure his threats stop. He leaves and calls two people he knew nearby that for some reason liked him and his wife. The man in that couple loudly threatened me while grabbing Jerkwad's crap but I just sat outside my room, my wife was inside it, with my gun holstered on my hip and let them get their meager belongings and leave. They stole some of our stuff when they left, but it was worth it to get them out. They also picked their nose and left their boogers on their bedroom walls for months, apparently. Disgusting, freaking goblins. We let one of my co-workers take the extra room they vacated when he lost his home, and by God, he was so much better than my best friend. I'd known and helped through losing multiple family members and tried giving him a shot to get ahead in life. With friends like that, mates, who needs enemies, right? Glad that he's out of your life, though, now. Mates, what did you think of these true and brain-boggling stories? I just know you've met or heard of people like this, right? Everyone knows of a dick face or a jerkwad, right? <laughs> the pizza lady really took the slice for me. Pun intended, yeah? She complains, returns the meal, and pays for the meal. What the heck? The massage therapist, whose work is expected to be for free, again, 
what is going through people's minds with that request. It's stories like these that just have me wondering where that train of thought is allowed to subsist. Perhaps these people have done this all their lives with positive results, and that's why. Either way, I hope you enjoy the tales, mates. Thank you so much to every single one of my tale sheriffs today for these fantastic stories. And again, a big thank you to my Ode Night Tea Titans for being amazing. It just wouldn't be possible to keep growing and doing cool new things without yours and all the other supporters of this podcast. So thanks again. Now, have a kick-ass Wednesday, and as always, till next, we meet.